0: Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. I want to begin this morning's message by looking <clears throat> at the very last statement that Jesus made before ascending into heaven. Now, if you knew that you were going to be uh, leaving, not seeing anyone or some people for a long time, um, I mean, it could be a deathbed scenario, but, but maybe not. Maybe just, you know, you're going to be going away for a long time. Um, and you gather those closest to you, around you, um, what would your final instructions be to them? You think about that. You think about that. I mean, don't you think that you would weigh those words carefully since you're not going to be speaking to them for a long time? So what would you tell them? Now, don't forget, brush your teeth twice a day and floss after every meal, okay? So don't forget to do that. And don't forget, change the oil, rotate the tires. Every 5,000 or is it 3,000? I don't remember, but make sure that you keep the oil changed and the tires rotated. On the vehicle. Don't forget, tacos are only $1.50 on Tuesdays. So you, you don't want to forget that, right? Don't forget to take the trash out every Tuesday and Friday. What would your final words of instructions be to those closest to you, your friends and family? And, and I'm, look, those things are all important, especially the Taco Tuesday. You wouldn't want to forget that. But you would think that the things that you're going to share would be, would, would be a little bit weightier. You would, you would weigh those words carefully. And it was no different than with Jesus on these final words, final instructions that he gave to his followers right before ascending into heaven. And these words are found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He's gathered his, with his disciples on the Mount of Olives for his final instructions. By the way, this, would be, this is going to be the exact same place when he comes back to earth. This is where he's going to come. Right here, where he's given these final instructions. The Bible tells us that. So he's gathered there with his closest followers. And here are Jesus' parting words to his disciples before ascending into heaven. Acts 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Okay, not power, that, that, that's good. But power for what, Jesus? He tells us, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So even after spending three years studying and learning and being mentored by Jesus, okay, three years of hanging out with Jesus, his teachings, sitting under his teachings, his life lessons, Jesus still tells his disciples, you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. You, you, there's one more thing that you need before you're going to be able to do what I've called you to do, which is to go into all the world and be witnesses, right? And what was that one thing? It was the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, you need to wait till you get the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's address the elephant in the room. Anytime you talk about the Holy Spirit, some people, they already, some of you are already digging in, pushing back, Right? Yeah, I don't know about that Holy Spirit stuff, right? That's the challenge when talking about the Holy Spirit. It is, it is the part of the Trinity that we understand the least. I mean, we understand salvation, and we're all good with that. We understand we we relate to 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 God the Son through Jesus and all He He's done for us. We understand relating that you know God is our heavenly Father. You know, we we get that. We connect those dots. But man, what about this Holy Spirit thing? I. I I'm, 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 not, I'm not so sure about that. that, that that's the one that, that trips us up. So my goal this week and next, and again, this is such a, an important topic. We're actually going to take two weeks to talk about this because it is important. And my goal is to hopefully take away some of the mystery, the apprehension, and yeah, maybe even fear that you might have towards the third person of the Trinity. And he is a person, by the way. The Holy Spirit, the Bible is very clear about that. He is a person. I think sometimes when we hear that old English phrase, Holy Ghost, Ghost. might not want to hang around him. But I think that that's, that's part of what creates some of the mystery and apprehension surrounding the third person of the train. So I want us to look at a couple of stories in the early church where the Holy Spirit was kind of introduced to Jesus' followers. And the first one is found in Acts chapter 19, verse 1. This is on one of Paul's missionary journeys. It says, while Apollos, Acts 19, verse 1, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, and there he found some disciples. Notice that. These, these were Christians all right? These were people who were already following Jesus. So he's like, look, I know you're already saved, right? But are you growing in your relationship with God? Actually, what he said was this in verse two, Acts 19, verse two, and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, Holy Spirit? No, we we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And here we are 2,000 years later, and people are still (laughs) answering that question the same way. What? Holy Spirit, I don't, it, it's either, well, what are you talking about? Or it's, oh, no, 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 I've, I've heard about him. I, I, I don't know that I want to, I want to keep my distance from him. So, so Paul continues to press them in verse 3, Acts 19. So Paul asked them, after they said, what are you talking about? We haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. Paul said, then what baptism did you receive? And the, the baptism here he's talking about is immersion, so Paul's basically asking them, what are you being immersed in? That's what he's asking them here. What are you being immersed in? And they said, John's baptism. That's what they replied. John's baptism. Verse 4, Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. In other words, that was the baptism of, of water, right? So we tell, hey, this is good. He said, she said, that's good because that's the most important baptism because that's the one that stamps our ticket to heaven. And that's what we want, right? We all want to go to heaven. Anyone want to go to heaven? Four of you want to go to heaven. All right, wake up. This I know this is the 8 o'clock crowd. It's a rough one. But, but, but that's the important one, right? You, you, that, that's the one that you need to have. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. Verse 5, let's read on. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse six, when Paul placed his hands on them, something supernatural happened at this point. The Holy Spirit came on them. And remember, remember, this was the condition or the thing that was going to enable them to live the life that Jesus called them to live and to do what Jesus called them to do, which was go into the world and make all the disciples. So he put he placed his hands on them, prayed for them, and the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. All right, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Let's go over to Acts, that, 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 that's one story where the Holy Spirit is introduced to people that apparently hadn't heard about the Holy Spirit. And then the other story is found in Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. Skip down to verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women Again, this is referring to, to salvation. When the disciples, verse 14, when, they, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. So they hear, hey man, God's moving in Samaria. So you guys, Peter and John, go, go find out what's going on there. When they arrived, Acts uh, verse 15, Acts chapter eight, when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that there, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Again, that that's that the salvation. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Okay, Pastor, what why didn't God just make this like one package? You know, you know, just receive Jesus and get it all in one package. Well, what what, what what's what's the, the thing about these different steps? Well, I'll give you my opinion. I I think this is why he didn't do that. He wanted salvation to be an easy thing, not confusing. And he didn't, and and furthermore, he didn't want us to have anything to do with our salvation because this isn't anything that we earn. It's a free gift. It is a free gift. So he wanted to make salvation easy. He didn't want to make it confusing. And he didn't want us to have anything to do with it, right? Other than simply believing in him and what he did for us on the cross. But here's what we need to understand salvation isn't the end of your spiritual journey. That's just the very beginning. That's the very beginning of your spiritual journey, which leads us to the main idea for this morning's message, which is this, God has more for you. God has more for you. I don't know if anyone's ever told you that, but let me be the first one if no one has. God has more for you. And he wants to empower you to pursue that more through a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Many years ago, there was this restaurant that opened in Lawrence at about 6th and Vermont. Uh, It was a small little unassuming in some ways. It it maybe even looked a little sketchy little place. This guy and his wife opened it up. And the the guy that was the cook there that kind of ran the restaurant, uh, he was an interesting character to to say the least. Um, His standard greeting to everyone was darling. He would call everyone darling. Hello, darling. Come on in, Darling. Um, there were no menus in this restaurant. There was just a a, a whiteboard there and it was pretty much the same thing every every day. You could have your choice of of roast beef or sometimes turkey or ham and then uh, mashed potatoes and gravy and some garlic toast and maybe a vegetable. And it was always the same every every day. It, 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 It never changed. So when people would come in who hadn't been there before and didn't know how things worked, how many of you are familiar with the Seinfeld episode with the Soup Nazi? This guy was the original soup Nazi, because he was, he was a great guy, but if you did not order right away, if you stammered around, this is no lie. Instead of saying, no soup for you, like the soup Nazi, he would say this, we've got no times for strangers, who's next? He would, he would say, who invited this person? We've got no time for strangers, who's next? And he would either kick them out or shame them out the door. That is no lie, he would do that. But the food was so good, and it was very reasonable. And at times, he would have these unadvertised specials, and this was long before social media, even before cell phones. You know, this was like in the early to mid-70s. And, and so it's not like word would get out. But every now and then, he would have an unadvertised special, like on a holiday, like around Thanksgiving. You go in, and for like 75 cents, you would get a turkey dinner. And of course, he could do that because no one could text someone and say, hey, <laughs> right, it was, everything was like word of mouth back then. But, but it, it, was, it, was a great, it was a great place to eat. Yeah, the guy was a little rough around the edges. Yeah, it looked a little, bit ske- a little bit sketchy on the outside, but there was always a line coming out the door. I mean, it was such a small place. They had about 10 stools along the counter and maybe four or five tables with two chairs at them. So most of the people, if you didn't get there, you had to get it to go, which was fine. People were willing to do that. But here's the thing. It was such a good, it was such a good place to eat. I, I wanted to tell other people about it. So I was telling this friend of mine about it and uh you know he's like well no, no i don't think i've heard of it i said you heard of the red line no i hadn't heard of the red line i said man you need to go there sometime it's it's amazing food i said it's kind of a little sketchy on the outside but trust me you're going to love it when you go there and every time i'd see my friend this took, this was over the course of months i would ask him if he'd been to the red line no nah, i don't and then finally i could tell he was getting a little perturbed about it you know it's kind of kind of like rolling his eyes at me you know but anyway so one time I finally just, you know, shut up. I didn't say anything more about it. Then one time I was hanging out with him and I saw him and he said, hey, he said, you know that restaurant you were telling about the Red line?" I said, yeah. He said, I finally went. I said, what'd you think? He said, man, you were right. Thank you, thank you, thank you for telling me about that place. He said, I went there two more times that following week. Now, here's my point. I tried to tell him about this place. <laughs> In fact, this place was, he, he could have walked to this place. It was that close to him where he lived. He could have walked. It was there all along and he didn't know about it. You know, there's a place with God for you that on the outside looks a little sketchy, maybe a little iffy, maybe you've heard some things about it, maybe you got some questions about it. And so you're, you're, not, you're a little unsure if you want to go there or not. But I'm telling you, you want to go there because I've been there. You want to go there. There are some things that God has for you that are within walking distance to you if you would just trust him and be willing to go there. He's inviting you to find out more about these things that he has, this more that he has for you. And listen, and when you do, when you do, you are, you're gonna be like, thank you, thank you, thank you. I am so glad you told me about this. Did I tell you God has more for you? He does. God has more for you. And Paul tells us what that more is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. He says, instead, or before he says don't be drunk with wine, he says, instead be filled with the Spirit be filled with the spirit. So how do we do this? How do we begin to embrace more that God has for us through his holy spirit? Well, I think the first thing that you need to do is you need to remove the barriers that keep you from all that God has for you. Because when it comes to the person of the holy spirit again, we all have some of these barriers. Some of them are our fault, some are not your fault. Some of you who grew up in the church or maybe you had a bad or negative experience with the holy spirit, so you know you you've got reasons why you feel the way that you do about the holy spirit. Or maybe your pastor or some other preacher uh, warned you about the Holy Spirit. Now, be careful about those people that talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, right? Got to be careful about them, right? Because those folks are a little bit weird. You don't, you don't want to get too close to them. You know what? In, in, in my conversation, this is my personal experience, in my conversation with people, what I've discovered is for the most part, it, it, it's not this Holy Spirit that people have a problem with. It's how it was packaged it's how it was presented to them. That, that's where things got a little weird. That's where, and I know that's how it is. When, in my experience, and again, in talking with people, as I, as I had them unpack that a little bit, well, tell me about that. And then I wrote, no, 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 no. It's your, your issue isn't with the Holy Spirit. It's how it was presented to you. So, But look, <laughs> I, look I, I don't care how weird your Holy Spirit story is. I guarantee you, I got one to top it. I'm just telling you, I've been doing this a long time. What's that uh, insurance commercial? I know a lot of things because I've seen a lot of things. So go ahead and tell me. You're a weirdest Holy Spirit story. I guarantee you, I've got one to top it. My point being, I get it. I I get the apprehension. I get the fear. I, I, I know that we tend to avoid... What we're afraid of are what we don't understand. And that is a fact. That's human nature. We tend to avoid what we're afraid of or what we don't understand. But please, please, please don't fall into this trap, dear ones, when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Don't fall into that trap of the enemy. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting of shadows. Literal translation, there's nothing that God has for you that isn't perfect or isn't good, and including the Holy Spirit. Including the Holy Spirit, man, it's gotten quiet in here. Are you, are you guys uh, seriously? I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to lead you in the right path here. But if, if it's from God, it's it's going to be good. In fact, it's going to be perfect, according to James. You can trust God. So, what do we do? What do we do? Peter tells us Acts two thirty eight. Peter replied, "Repent, repent of what." Repent of of your stubbornness. Repent of the doctrinal positions. Repent of all those ways that you've been offended or grieved uh, God because of something that you saw or heard, right, about the third person of the Trinity. And as a result of that, now you're fearful, apprehensive, maybe even apathetic towards the Holy Spirit. That's even worse, where you're just apathetic Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of of, uh, Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then watch this next statement. This is huge because it shows us how inclusive this is. Verse 39, Acts 2. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. In other words, the gift of the Holy Spirit, in spite of what you've heard or were taught, the gift of the Holy Spirit wasn't just for those original A-listers in the church, not just for those original disciples. No, it wasn't just for Peter, Paul, James, and John, all the big guns. Paul says, no, 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 this is an all skate. This, isn't all, this is for everyone, you, your children, your grandchildren, all who are far off. So, so he says, he says, repent, repent of your false or wrong attitudes towards the Holy Spirit. Then the next step is ask God to give you all that he has for you. Because you see, all that we have is not all that God has. Two or three of you got that. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to set you up. I'm going to lob this one in real nice and slow. Okay, here we go. All that we have is not all that God has. That's true. That's true. So this morning I'm inviting you to pray a prayer, and for some of you it's going to seem like a dangerous prayer, because some of you have settled into the spiritual comfort zone where maybe your spiritual life is kind of set on cruise control, and and you've become comfortable with where you're at. So if that's you, I want to I want to share a, a a prophecy with you. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 47, and in this in this chapter Ezekiel describes a vision that he had once. Uh, it was a vision of the temple. We know it was a vision because the actual temple would have been destroyed at this time. So it was a vision of the temple. And many Bible scholars believe that this was a picture of of the New Testament church, this vision that he had of the temple. And and, and in this vision, Ezekiel notices just a little bit of water, a trickle of water coming out from under the threshold of the door leading into the temple. So let's pick up at verse 3 of Ezekiel chapter 47. Because he's got this man that's showing him this, this temple in this vision. As the man, and this is the same man that's mentioned back up in verse 1 who was showing him the trickle of water coming underneath the threshold. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. So so what we have, you know, now it's just, it's just ankle deep. You know, it started out, it was just a little trickle. And then a little bit further on down, it, it was like ankle deep, right? So I'm, 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 yeah, I'm comfortable here. I'll just hang out here for a little while. So we'll call the ankle deep. Let's call that salvation. Let's call that salvation. You're in the water. You're in the family, but just barely, you know, but you're in. That's what counts, right? You're not fully immersed yet, but you're on your way to heaven. So it's all good. But Ezekiel continues, verse 4, Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel, um, he measured off another thousand cubits, and led me through water that was knee deep. So now we've gone from a trickle to ankle deep to knee deep. Now, now here's where we have the folks who have maybe maybe you've taken the next class, you know, and maybe you started serving on one of our, our dream teams. So so you're you're doing more than just coming to church on, on Sundays. Um, but God still has more for you. God still has more for you. Ezekiel continues, he measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. So now we're up to the waist in this water. So it's getting further. The wa- as he goes further out, the water's getting deeper. And if you've ever been in, in, in a river or, or one of those uh, uh, water theme parks where they have that current that you know, kind of flows, you know, and, you, and if you tumble out of your inner tube or whatever and you're standing there, you kind of got to brace yourself because that current, you know, if, 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 you'll get swept away. So, so now the water is up to, to his waist. So that's where you're still in control. You still got your feet planted, right? Because you, you, you're in control because you have your feet planted on the, on the concrete bottom. And this is where some of you are at in your relationship with God. And with His Holy Spirit, you want some of the deeper things of God, but because there's still some unknowns, because there's still some questions, some uncertainty, some weirdness, or something that you heard about, you're still you've got your feet well planted there. You don't mind getting out in the current, but you're gonna, you're still in control, right? Can I tell you, dear ones? You can't have both. You can't have the deeper things of God and complete control. It doesn't work that way. Jesus doesn't operate on a part-time basis. In fact, the word Lord, by definition, prevents us from being anything but totally surrendered to him. You realize that, don't you? When you call him Lord, you are basically saying, "I'm, I'm all yours, Lord. Now, I should probably throw out a disclaimer at this point because I don't want to give the idea that being close to God means that you have to be totally out of control. That's not what this is all about. But I will say this. I will say that you'll never experience the fullness that God has for you. You'll never experience that abundant life that Jesus talked about until you learn to abandon yourself completely to him and his Holy Spirit. That's just how it is. And some of you here this morning, you need to hear this. And I don't say this lovelessly. I say it as your pastor, your shepherd, who's trying to lead you in the ways of God. But some of you have braced yourself spiritually. You're only, you're only willing to go so far. And you become comfortable there. You become content there. But I'm telling you, anytime you impose your will against God, that's a dangerous place to be. I'm just telling you, that is a dangerous place to be because that's basically what you're doing. You are imposing your will against him and his will. And if you're still having a hard time connecting the dots here, let me let me explain it to you a little bit better. You know, we know that the Bible says to clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You know the Bible says that, and yet some of you come here on Sunday mornings and you just, right? Just, well, I know what it says, but this, this is how I worship. This is how I worship. So you, you put your hands in your pocket or, you, or you've got that, you know, pencils in your hands, best man stance. You know, you just, just keep them keep them right down there, right? because this is how I worship. You know, there's another place that God says, I want men to lift up holy hands in prayer. Another place we're instructed to lift your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Nah, that's all right. You, 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 that's all right for you, but I, th- th- this is how I worship. This is how I worship. And God's reply to you is, but there's more. There's more. Some of you have braced yourself. You've dug in spiritually. You're content to stay where you're at. You're going to go to heaven, yeah. You're, you're, you're going to heaven. That's, that's not the issue. But you know what? You're never going to see the view from the top. You're not. You're not. And oh, by the way, some of you will do these exact same things. Lift your hands, shout and scream, get a little crazy. Some of you will kind of abandon yourself to craziness when your other congregation up at one Arrowhead Drive meets on Sunday afternoons. Ooh. Now I know it's quiet. Isn't it funny, and I don't mean to re-preach the message that we did on worship a few years ago, but I mean a few weeks ago, but it is a valid point. But isn't it interesting how we don't have any problem getting a little out of control when we're in certain environments, when we're, when we're somewhere else, but when we're here at you know 601 Locust, oh, we've got to get dignified then. We've got to stay dignified. Right? We'll cut loose Bill Snyder Stadium, Allen Fieldhouse, Arrowhead, we'll cut loose, but we come here. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, we got to stay dignified. You can't have the deeper things of God and still be in control, people. It doesn't work that way. Verse 5, Ezekiel 47, he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross. And now he's caught up in the current to the point that he's just along for the ride. He's just along for the ride. God's taking him where he wants him to go. God's taking him where he wants him to go, not where he wants to go. Because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. You say, Pastor, why do you always point to worship as the example or, or illustration for measuring our, our openness to God? Now, why, why can't we measure spirit-filledness by, by serving? You can, but here's the thing. If you never get this, if you never get this vertical relationship right, all the rest of the relationships don't even matter. You can serve all you want. You're not going to be able to do it with the right heart. That's why worship, worship is the most tangible, basic act of showing our obedience and sacrifice to God. That's why we point to that. So, for some of you, this is your next step to the deeper things. This is your next step. To launch out into the deeper things. And as the prophecy clearly illustrates, this isn't something that you do. You don't need to jump off the high board. Just do it a little by little, by increments, right? Ankle deep, knee, waist, you see? But rather than me explaining it to you, let, let, I'm going to let Tim Hawkins explain kind of how to, you can take your first steps towards opening up to more of God. So go ahead and, and, and let us let's, let's Tim kind of enlighten us on this.
1: And I know that each church has its own worship style, you know, which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship, some people more subtle, and it's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's, um, it's a hand-raising church. That's what it is, right? That's what, you know, anybody here go to a hand-raising church? Am I here? Sweet. Who here does not go to a hand-raising church? <laughs> some of you are trying. You're like, I can't. I want to, to, I need to get some momentum. (laughs) Totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you want to go and join us, feel free to join us, but don't feel like you got to join right in, okay? Start slow. we got a lot of different hand-raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand-raises. So I'm going to walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're my church, music is rocking, start slow. Hands in the pockets, little elbow flap, you're fine. Very subtle. Get warmed up. Get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready? Carry the TV. Carry the TV, that's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen. Big screen, a little wider. Next one's, my fish was this big. My fish was this big. If you're a liar, you go out there, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Jesus loves you, grace. Next one's, hold my baby. Hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. That's our next one. <laughs> dueling light bulbs. Got goalpost. Everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn. Right back to goalpost. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa. That's my favorite. The circle of life. <laughs> Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Release the doves. Give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. And when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go. There's your big three. You're
0: set. So now you know. There's the steps. There's the steps. The point being, take your own journey. Go at your own speed. You realize that the, the, the Holy Spirit's called, the, the, the actual word, is the paraclete, the paraclete, paracletos, uh, and, and the word actually means uh, called alongside of. That's what it means. So basically what, what Jesus was saying is, hey, I'm going to be right there by you, by my Holy Spirit, right there with you. So, yeah, it's scary if you've never, you know, taken some of those steps before. But he's going to be right there with you. He promised to be right there with you. You know, if you've been coming here very long, you know that family church is the home of the one-year guarantee. Did you know that? That's right. Our offer is you give us one year of your life, not just attend church on Sundays for a year, but step out into the deeper current. You don't have to jump off the high board. We just want you step by step, step by step, just wait out a little bit at a time. We'll guide you through those steps. Take the next class, then take, take another step by joining the, one of our dream teams, and then begin serving on Sunday mornings, and then take another step by joining a growth group. So, you know, just like step by step by step. And, and for some of you, it's time for you to step up and, and, and not just join a growth group. Some of you, you need to start leading a growth group. Can I just be real honest with you? Some of you need to start leading a growth group. Say, well, that's kind of scary. Well, yeah if you've never done it before, but he'll he'll be with you. He promised to be with you and I guarantee you this: if you lead a growth group, you will grow more during that twelve weeks than you would have the entire year before just attending a growth group. I guarantee you, if you commit to leading a growth group and embrace it, you will grow more spiritually during those twelve weeks than you would have the entire year just by attending a growth group. so some of you you need to you need to step up to the plate and start doing that so If you'll jump in with us on the 21 days of prayer that we do twice a year, if you'll join with us when we do our serve day, when we reach out to our community, do all these things. And at the end of one year, here's our guarantee. If your life isn't better and if you're not better at life, we'll give you your old sucky life back. No questions asked. No questions asked. But we know that your life will be better and you'll be better at life. Did I tell you that God has more for you? Did I tell you that? Here's the thing, you'll never know, you'll never know unless you do it and start putting one foot in front of the other. And when we do, look what happens, Ezekiel 47, verse 9, swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. In other words, there's life, that's where life is, that's that abundant life that Jesus talked about. One translation says that the river's teeming with life, exploding with life. There will be large numbers of fish there. This is a metaphor referring to the multiplication of life because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. And here's the ultimate goal. Here's the end game for going all in with Jesus and embracing the more that he has for us. Number three, develop an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. This is what it's all about. Think about it. Why did Jesus instruct his already trained disciples not to go out and do anything until they receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Three years of personal, almost one-on-one training with the Son of God, you would have think that those guys would have been stud, high-capacity leaders. But no, no, no. He says, no, no, no. You're not ready yet. There's still one thing you need. And that's the indwelling presence and power of my Holy Spirit. Ask Peter. Ask Peter, who cowed down to a middle school girl who called him out, and he didn't just deny Jesus, denied him three times when Jesus needed him most. Even cursed that he never even knew Jesus. Yeah, a lot of good that 24-7, three years did for Peter, huh? Where'd all that training go right here? Where'd all that mentoring, a that lot, of, lot of good that mentoring did? But check it out, 50 days later, only 50 days later, St. Peter preaching to a large crowd, But even after being threatened and told not to preach, Peter thumbed his nose at the Roman authorities and said, you know what, you do what you got to do, but I'm got to do what God's called me to do, and that's to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And he did boldly proclaim the gospel. What happened? What happened? During that, I'll tell you what happened. Only one thing happened, and that was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's why he was able to do that. That was the difference maker. That was the game changer for Peter. And it will be the game changer for you as well. So that's why I'm inviting you into this personal relationship with the third person of the Trinity. Second Corinthians 13, verse 14. The amazing grace of the master Jesus Christ. That, this is salvation, right? Through Jesus, the son. The extravagant love of God. And this is your relationship with the father. Then he says the intimate, not casual acquaintance. Just Just dip your toe in the shallow end. No, 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 no. This is getting out into the current and lifting your feet so you can experience the friendship of the Holy Spirit be, that it will be with you all at all times. So I'm inviting you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because God has for, more for you. No, say this with me. Say, "God has more for me." Say that. God has more for me. Bow your heads and let me pray for you. Lord, I do pray that you would give us the courage to trust you at a level that maybe we never have before as we wade out into the deeper things that you have for us, as we embrace the the more that you promise us by sending your Holy Spirit. We're thankful for salvation and all it means to us. Help us to to see that all along you've intended for us to live a spirit-empowered life to accomplish what you've called us to do as your people, as your church. So right now, I pray that you would fill your people with your Holy Spirit. As people lay aside all barriers and previous notions or ideas they might have had about your Holy Spirit, set our minds at ease and help us become comfortable opening up to the third person of the Trinity and the fullness of your Holy Spirit as we wade out into the deeper things that you have for us. If you're here this morning, maybe you're not in a right relationship with God, maybe you've never received God's gift of forgiveness through his Son, or maybe you did at one time, but something happened to sour that relationship and now you're not as close to God as you, you once were. If that's you, then your next step is coming to God or coming back to God because he still wants you to experience the deeper things that he has for you. So if that's you, it would be my honor to lead you in a prayer where you can come to know or come back to know the God who created you, your Heavenly Father. If you just... Pray this prayer after me. Just say, Jesus, I know my life is broken and I can't fix it. So please forgive me for my sins and come live inside of me by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for dying for me. And now I give my life to you and receive your life in return. In Jesus' name, amen.